purple Pocahontas in the cranberry glades. Ain't got bars nor the charge to call her anyways. Well, Jenny, let's start. Yeah, congratulations first off, and um, you know you're you're married now, and obviously it happened here in West Virginia. Take us through like why back in West Virginia, a state that uh, you really didn't know anything about until you got to college. <laughs> or much about at least and kind of tell us yeah about the wedding and how great it was yeah that's exactly right before you know thinking about shooting in college and going on like a tour of WVU I had never even been in the state of West Virginia and now 10 years later I'm like that's where I want to get married and well we live in Colorado my Mm -hmm. my husband now I guess my husband and I live in Colorado <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird <laughs> uh we live in Colorado we have for the last four years because that's where the Olympic training center is so that's where you know the best place for me to be for my career is but um when we were talking about getting married we knew we wanted to get married on the east coast because all of our family and the majority of our friends are on the east coast So we were kind of looking all up and down, you know, Virginia and North Carolina and Pennsylvania and all, you know, kind of up and down the East Coast of where could we do? And we were looking, you know, in in my parents' hometown and in my husband's parents' hometown. And what we kind of realized is if we drew a map, there was one state that was equidistant from everyone from wow. all the family from all the friends it was <laughs> equal everyone had to drive a little bit but nobody yep. had to drive a lot and it was west virginia and yeah, i was like awesome. this this can't be more perfect right yeah, it's meant to be it's meant to it's be in west meant virginia to be. yes so <laughs> i start looking at you know different venues and everything and you know a lot of the venues in west virginia are kind of you know elevated barn kind of rustic and And I was looking at them and I I just kind of decided that wasn't my style, you know. And what I found was the schoolhouse hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And yeah, and I'm I'm looking into it and it's a brand new wedding venue, but it sounds so cool because they took this old brick junior high and they completely gutted it, completely renovated it. And turn it into a 30-room boutique hotel with a rooftop bar. Oh my gosh, I have not yeah. even heard of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, it's brand new. And it's so cool. And what? yeah, like, look at those photos. Whoa. Holy yeah, cow. It I is had no insane. idea this was going on. Yeah, look at, look at the interior here. Is this, <laughs> this is wild looking. The aesthetic of it is so cute. You know, you could easily, like have that be overdone <laughs> but it's just it's so cute and tasteful and each room is themed so there's like you know the room you might be staying in might be the music room and there's just like wow. the art on the wall is slightly music themed so it's really um but at Brilliant. that time you know yeah. they were just kind of finishing you know finishing touches and everything and I look up like okay where in West Virginia are they and they're in White Sulphur Springs yeah now, I went to WVU, obviously, go Mountaineers, <laughs> and my significant other went to Virginia Tech. Oh, so, yeah. I, I know, I know. We, we don't hold it against them too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. But again, but equidistant, right? It's pretty equidistant. It is. So there's yeah. <laughs> a lot of small towns in that area, you know, Summersville, Fayetteville, White Sulphur Springs. 
where we would kind of like meet halfway on a weekend. That's funny. And so, yeah, this was one of those places we had met halfway on the weekend. And I was like, this could not be more perfect. So I went out to visit with, you know, with my family and everything. And I was just blown away by by the hotel, which is 100% ADA accessible, which I've never seen in a hotel before, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, by the staff there that was so friendly. And I was like, this is it. This is where I want to get married. I actually had four other venue tours lined up and I canceled them. No, oh, you, I was you like, knew. I found you re- it. It's recruiting all over again. You're like, I don't need to go to the other four schools. <laughs> I found the one. No, exactly. And I was like, great. So, you know, we go into planning mode and, you know, that's a crazy time, but it was really interesting to me. I don't know if you guys have found this, but not living in West Virginia right now, people would ask about the wedding and they'd say, where, where are you getting married? I'd be like, oh, in West Virginia. And their faces, <laughs> they would be like, Ouch. oh, <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me right yeah, now? Yeah, come on now. And, yeah. And so every single one of them, I went and I, you know, I'm showing them the pictures, the preview photos with this beautiful, you know, the mountain backdrop and just the bright blue sky. It was the picture perfect day. And they're like, West Virginia is beautiful. Where is this? (laughs) And I'm like, I know. (laughs) I've been trying to tell you that. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Way to rep. You are continuously (laughs) repping West Virginia. You you can't even get away from it. You can't even get away from it. (laughs) Well, I do. It's symbolic to what a lot of, yeah, like the whole story of like people kind of judging on the surface. You don't know too much about it. And then you get here, like, wait a second, the people, the views, the culture, it's magnificent. Like, Yes. Well, and especially the people for me, you know, like I said, I'd never been to West Virginia. Everyone always asks like, is West Virginia home for you? And it's like, yes, but it's not where I grew up, but it is home for me, you know, but that's because of the people. That's because when I was successful in 2016 at the Olympics, the people, they turned out, I mean, they were my biggest support system, the biggest people rallying behind me. And that's not just for me, that's for every athlete at WVU. I mean, because there are no professional sports in the state, the WVU and other university sports just become so, you know, prevalent and so meaningful to the people, um, which was a really weird experience because as a rifle shooter, you never expect to become famous you know you never expect to get the basketball football treatment <laughs> right yeah the yeah, the, the fa- well I mean well you but you came into West Virginia with the understanding I mean you, you did the tour and we were reading a couple of great piece on you I think it was an NBC piece like you discovered maybe your love and and skill of shooting on on a hunting trip and and kind of say wait a second like I'm I'm pretty good at this and then you go up to WU knowing that the West Virginia team is a, you know, a nationally recognized team, national champion. Did you go into it with the belief that, Hey, like I'm, I'm one of these people. I feel like I belong here at this level. And then, or was it like a more of a find it on your way journey? Um, and then of course the Olympics happen, you go on to win gold there, but maybe talk about like, did you come into West Virginia trying to like live up to the, the, the hype that, that they deservedly so have at the school? So WVU's rifle team is historically the best NCAA rifle team of all time. And and we love that. So when I was in my recruiting season of life, they, I think, had won maybe like three NCAA championships in a row. Yeah. And and they went on in that streak to win five in a row, which 
which is insane. Could you imagine a basketball team winning five NCAA team, you know, championships in a row? No. And I think a lot of people, when there is success at, at a more niche, smaller sport that people don't know about, they like think it's easy. No, that was right. incredibly difficult to win five in a row. Um, so anyway, um, when I was getting recruited, they were the best, not just historically, but right then. At the moment. And I believed, believe still that when you go someplace where the bar is high, you rise to the bar. Yeah. Right. Mm. I knew that I wanted to go someplace that would challenge me and give me my best opportunity of, of being my best, you know, of, of finding that line of my potential. And, you know, when you think about recruiting and all these different schools, there's so many variables at play. There's so many factors. And what I realized is you kind of have to prioritize. You have to pick, you know, do you care about the location of the school above all? Do you care about, you know, the layout of the campus? Do you care about something to do with the team? Do you care about the resources? So I went through the list of the top 20 NCAA teams and I did, I knocked out any school that had three things that I didn't want. So one was a military academy because I knew I did not want to go into the military. Number two was if they didn't have the major I wanted because if they didn't have biomedical engineering, I was wasting my time, right? Yeah, so I yeah. knocked out anyone that didn't have my major. And then I knocked out any all-girls teams. So this you don't find in most NCAA sports, but rifle is a co-ed sport, but some schools have all-female teams. And I knew I wanted a co-ed team. So I knocked those out. And then I was down to, you know, maybe like eight or so schools I was looking at. And I kind of took a good hard look at what do I care about? What are my priorities and values here? And I decided the coach was my biggest priority. Hammond? I wanted, yeah, John Hammond. John Hammond. So I wanted to go to the coach who fit my personality the best, who I could have the best relationship with, who had the technical knowledge, who had the team management skills. And my thought process in that decision was that the coach sets the tone for everything. I mean, the culture of the team, the resources that are allowed, like the coach is in charge of all of that. Right. Um, And John and I really, really got along and I, I knew he was the coach for me. Um, But I I honestly didn't know if, if I could get recruited, they were the number one. Yeah. Yeah. You picked the, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And, and they take, two athletes every year. And I was not the top recruit, you know, my senior year in high school, I was good, but I was not the top recruit. But I think, um, I think John really saw the potential in me. I think he really saw like that I was a sponge and just constantly learning and that with more resources, I could be, you know, really good. And um, yeah, so they wanted me, I wanted them. It was easy. It was the easiest decision to, to go to WVU. That's awesome. Go back to what you just said about being on a co-ed team. What's the what's the reason there? What's the nuance? What's the why did you want to be a part of a co-ed rivalry team compared to an all-girls team? What's what's the major difference there? 
Yeah, you know, I think this is just a me thing, but I have two older brothers and I have zero sisters and I just could not imagine a life with all females. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of um and it's it's been interesting. My freshman year of college when I joined the team, there were I think 25% female. And by the time I was leaving, it was over 50%. It was wow, like wow. probably 60% female on the WVU rifle team. But it, it just depends on the recruiting class and it depends on a lot of different factors. And when you have a team of eight to 10 people, it's like, you know, one person can really swing that percentage. So um, it it was interesting because I, I did really enjoy it. Like by the end, I really appreciated my my female teammates and you know to this day and it's it's kind of um just interesting how it changed my philosophy on that too yeah so so how does for the folks listening they're, they're picturing rifle what's kind of like nerd out on the specifics of yeah. maybe of rifle shooting um in you know in collegiate opportunities and maybe you can help us understand how you go from like college to actually qualifying for the olympics and then and then maybe with the differences between like college and then like at the olympic yeah. level but maybe like some of the specifics because i know it's we're thinking oh you're shooting a target it's the size of an apple you're 100 yards super away. technical yeah Nothing. get into yeah. the nitty-gritty yeah. okay <laughs> you're speaking my love language right now yeah <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah um, take it away Shooting in the NCAA system and in the international system is a little different, but pretty similar overall. So it might be like in another sport where you have, you know, a, a different rule on how many people can sub in, but pretty much it's the same, yeah. you know, rules. Yeah. So it's, it's similar to that. So let's talk about the NCAA first. Um, the NCAA is co-ed, but international is not. It is men and women always separate. Uh, the reason for that is because although it's, you know, more of a, it's, it's a very physical sport. People think it's not physical, uh, to them. I say, have you ever tried to stand perfectly still? Yeah. It's harder than moving. <laughs> um, but it's also a very mental sport. So it's, it's a sport where at certain levels, at certain ages of time, women and men can be the same level. They're not always the same level, though, um, which is why at the Olympics it is split up. Um, the targets and the guns and the equipment. So we have these crazy suits that look like we're wearing straight jackets. They're really yeah. heavy. They're made yeah. of leather. Um, those are the same throughout, uh, throughout both of them. So the targets, let me give you some reference on the size for the targets. We shoot two different events. One is 10 meter air rifle. It's all in the standing position. One is small bore rifle, which is in three positions. So you shoot it in kneeling, in prone, and in standing. Gotcha. So let's talk about that air rifle. That's the one I won golden in 2016. Yep. You're shooting 60 shots at a target that's standing still, and it's 10 meters away. So 33 feet away. The size of the 10 ring. So at the Olympic level, what we're hitting every single time is the size of if you're typing and you're typing a sentence and you're in Times New Roman font, right? Size 12, the standard. And you put a period at the end of that sentence. Oh my gosh. That's what we're hitting wow. every single time. Oh my gosh. That's even, I was thinking, I was <laughs> picturing like a, a maybe like a quarter. Or a quarter. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 12 and, and that's what times new roman period is what you're shooting i get messages oh my on my social media all the time of like 
I can hit a squirrel in my backyard. <laughs> yeah, <from 10> <laughs> yeah don't even try. I can do that. Bro, get out of like, here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hitting the pupil on the squirrel like yeah. every time. You don't understand. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes. That's so nuts. another way to think about that would be if you went to a restaurant and you got like a straw for your soda and that you were shooting through that straw and wow. not touching the edge of it. 60 wow. times in a row. Unbelievable. What's so the, how do you go ahead? Go ahead. I'll say what's the gram? Like people can reference like bullets, like if you're picturing like a 22 LR, like yeah. they can picture mm-hmm. that. But like what's how small is the the projectile that, mm-hmm. that comes yeah. out of the gun? So air rifle shoots a pellet. Um, the pellet is 4.5 millimeters across, which I know doesn't really mean much, but <laughs> um I'm trying to like it's like that. I don't know if you can mm. see that. I mean, yeah. it is like the edge of your, like the tip of your fingernail that you would yeah. cut off. Like yeah. that's how small it is. Yeah. Um, but we also shoot the small bore rifle and the small bore shoots a bullet, a 22 caliber. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that's, it's the size of a normal 22 caliber. You could technically buy ammo at Walmart for it. The ammo we buy is match grade, not from Walmart, but uh, that just makes it a little more accurate, but same, same exact size and shape. Yeah. So going back to the air rifle, how, what, how do you win in without, you know, asking, are you, are you going dead center every time? Are you trying to pick corners? Like what is the, how accurate do you have to be to be a gold medalist? And what, what's the, what are you thinking of during that process? Yeah, great question. So remember how I said we're aiming at the dot, the period at the end of the sentence. So in the NCAA, you are measured on whether you hit that dot or not. Okay. So if you hit that dot, it's 10 out of 10 points. Yep. You shoot 60 shots, maximum score 600. And that's it. It's either you hit the dot or you don't. Well, so if you miss the dot, uh, if you miss the dot a little bit, but you hit, there's, there's rings, right? Yes, it's a bullseye. Yes, so there's yeah. rings going out like archery or darts or anything like that. Um, so if you miss the, the 10 ring, the dot in the middle, but you hit the next line, you would get nine out of 10 points. Yep. Gotcha. Eight out of 10 points. Right. So, you know, do people shoot 600s out of 600s in the NCAA? Yes, they do. I've done it, you know, probably a dozen people over the course of history have done it. Is it a is it a perfect game in bowling? I mean, is that like, or is it even tougher yes. than maybe throwing a three hundred? Well, I've never thrown a three hundred, so I'm not so, sure. Okay, well, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. No, yeah. no but, but you know, if if a dozen people in the history of NCAA oh, rifle it. have that's, done it, oh, that's not a twelve. Yeah, I was going to say the that's local guy, yeah, the yeah. like twelve a year. Yeah, I thought you meant like maybe <laughs> no twelve ever is insane. So, so people do it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. people not don't many. do it often yeah, not even yes. close yeah <laughs> yes wow. so um you know i would say that like 595 to 599 range is very high especially yeah. the last few years you know uh, in any sport over time scores are going up how people train the equipment yeah. it all gets yeah. better so scores are definitely going up um but but anyway on the international uh side of it you are not measured in kind of that like pass fail. You either hit a 10 or you didn't hit a 10 mentality. You are measured by how much you overlap that dot. Okay. So if you are perfectly centered, you have the best shot ever. It would be a 10.9. 
And that 0.9 adds on to your score. I see. Okay. So if you're a hair, literally a hair off of that, it would be a 10.8, a 10.7. So international level is going to be averaging about a 10.5. And I don't mean like to make an international match. I mean like to make the finals of an international match. It's going to be averaging about a 10.5. So your score, instead of being 600 out of 600, would be like 630. Gotcha. You know, okay. it's now measured. It's it's what we call decimal scoring because you count the decimal at the end. Um, so that's just a way on the international side to further differentiate because wow. okay. gotcha. a lot of people are are really great, right? Yeah. So to further differentiate how good you are. Um, so what happens at a competition? So this, whether it's NCAA championships or it's the Olympics or mm-hmm. nationals or a world cup or whatever, what happens is everyone there shoots 60 shots and whether you're measuring it decimal or integer, doesn't matter. They take the top eight scores and those eight people go to the finals. When you get to the finals, they zero everyone out. Okay. Right. So now you're the top eight, you're in finals, but everyone's starting from scratch and they do what's called the knockout elimination final. And these are really fun. And what that means is everybody shoots a few shots on command. And I mean, like cheering, screaming, blow horns, like you have two minutes to shoot your shots, right? Everyone shoots a few shots on command and then they say eighth place, you're out, sit down. Wow. And then everyone shoots a few more shots. Seventh place, you're out. Sit down. And if you're the last man or woman standing, you have won gold. Wow. How long does that take? How long to determine the champion? What's the time frame there? Yeah. So the 60 shot qualification match is going to, for air rifle, is an hour and 15 minutes for 60 shots. Okay. And then, so unlike a lot of sports where you're playing offense or defense or you're reacting, right? A ball is coming to you. You reach up and catch it. In this sport, you're completely self-timed. Yeah. You can go as fast or as slow as you want. You Mm. can take as many breaks as you want. You can come off the line and talk to your coach. You can go eat a snack. It used to be, (laughs) it isn't now, but it used to be, you could go have a beer. Like (laughs) in Germany. There you go. (laughs) A little snicker board to relax you a little bit. Is that, yeah. is that healthy aim? I feel like my aim would be a little less steady after that. Yeah, it's like, Caesar, what the fuck you're drinking? Yeah. Like you're yeah. I mean, like a hundred years ago, they used to go okay, have okay. beers and cigarettes in their matches. Crazy. But well, they anyway. did that for everything, though. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's completely self paced, it's completely self timed, yeah. and it takes the meaning of individual sport to a whole new level yeah, because. Absolutely. This up here is your best friend and your worst enemy. Like it's all you have up there. Um, so anyway, that takes an hour and 15 minutes. And then there's, you know, probably 30 minutes to change over between the qualification and the final. And then the final probably takes 30-ish minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. That so elimination weird. game there at the end. That's, that's crazy. Most of that's I intense. Love it. I mean, that's so I love it. So yeah. I am like a bread and butter final shooter. And that is where oh, I awesome. shoot my best. And it's yeah. it's one of those like if I make the final, I'm meddling. There is no like sixth place for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but wow. making the finals hard. <laughs> yeah. Getting of the finals. 
So when you're, so let's, let's go to the, the Olympic run, the gold medal. So when you're, you're working your way through the finals at, at, did you feel like I'm on my game today? Like I am shooting well, like, was it a confident like run throughout the whole process or was there moments of like, God, I feel like I'm, I'm losing ground momentum and you know, a little bit of anxiety creeping in or like, what yeah. was that experience like leading up to when you finally realized like, wait a second, like I'm the last one standing, like I've done this. Let me rewind a little bit earlier because knowing the context of that year is super interesting. So in 2015, I've signed with WVU and I am like starting to qualify for my first international matches. So I'm like 17, 18 at this time, starting to qualify for my first matches, starting to get better in the fall of 2015, I go to WVU. So I'm a freshman, you know, if you can imagine it, I am like wide-eyed 18-year-old, <laughs> yep. oh, yeah. lost on campus. Morgantown. You know? <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. The, the whole nine yards, yeah, right? For sure. Um, but that's the first time I'm able to really get, you know, a huge influx of resources. All of a sudden, like my high school range was great, but I could train three nights a week. All of a sudden I come to college and it's like, I can train as much as I want. Anytime, you know? any time of the day, night. Yeah. As many hours. Exactly. Yeah. And my, again, my high school coaches were so amazing and so supportive, but their technical knowledge, you know, I had surpassed a little bit. So mm-hmm. finally, you know, I have a coach in John who is not only an amazing technical coach, he is the best all around NCAA coach in the country. Wow. And, and to this day, I, I stand by that, you know, as far as his management of the team, his creation of culture, his ability to funnel resources, his technical ability, his people skills, you know, his ability to manage the budget, like all the things that <laughs> go into making a coach, he is the holistic, you know, he is the best well-rounded coach. Anyway, I digress. So now I have this great coaching and I have these teammates who are such high performers and who have won national championships before. And, you know, I'm like looking up to these people and now I'm training with them every day. And so I, I start getting better. I start getting better. So by the time we're winter sport, so kind of like basketball, you know, March madness and CAAs are in March. Um, So, you know, we're kind of halfway through the season and coming back from winter break and all of a sudden, I started getting good. You know, I went from being in the top five on the team and the top, only the top five compete or like are on the scoring team to all of a sudden I'm number two on the team. Wow. Now I'm number one on the team. We go to NCAAs in March and I have the NCAAs that, that every athlete dreams of. Yeah. We win the team title. I win the individual air rifle title and I win the individual small board title. So I become the youngest person in history to win both in the same year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's crazy. As, as a freshman and everyone else on that top five team was a senior. Wow. Um, yes. And I'm, so I'm just, you know, like having the time of my life That's and cool. I come back from NCAAs and I experience this huge crash, this huge letdown, you know? And, and I think that's very normal after like your first really big success of just like 
oh my gosh, I just spent all year preparing for that one match and it went exactly how I planned. And, and now what? Yeah. Now I come back to school and I have midterms. I don't care about chemistry right <laughs> yeah. now, you know? Um, Morgantown traffic. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, you're finding a parking space. Yeah, like. Exactly. <laughs> so I have about three weeks between NCAAs and the first Olympic trials. And I remember just being so overwhelmed and I'd already missed a bunch of school. And I just was kind of like, I, I don't even really want to go to Olympic trials, you know, because I was not slated to win. I was the underdog. I was, you know, in the top five but not in the top two yeah. and only the winner, only the very top person got to go to the Olympics. That Qualifies. Year. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It changes a little every year, but that's how it worked that year. So John talked me into it. He was like, no, Jenny, you're going, you're going to trials and it's not about this year. It's about learning for next quad. Like let's go in with the mentality of learning so that when it comes to the Tokyo Olympic trials, you know what you're doing and you're ready for that. Wow. I'm like, okay, yeah. John, yeah. we'll go. Yeah, sure. So yeah. So we hop on a plane and we go to Olympic trials and Olympic trials were three days. So basically your score from day one, your score from day two, your score from day three, all get added together. Whoever has the top score goes. And this was the small bore. So the 22 caliber trials. Were you feeling good going into this though? Because obviously, did you have a preference of air rifle or small bore at the moment? Were you almost feeling better about small bore than the other, or just all around confidence level, feeling good coming off NCAA, still maybe a little weary going into just this? Yeah. So in high school, I was a better small bore shooter. There you go. Okay. But my freshman year of college, air rifle really came up. And so, yeah, I had won NCAAs in both guns. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think most people would have said she's equal in both guns. Good, good deal. Yeah. Some people may have said I was better at small bore still. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going into small bore and, you know, the first day happens. And after the first day, I'm, I'm in like a solid third place, but everyone's real close. The second day, I have a really great day. And I leave the second day in the lead. Wow. You're playing with the lead going into the fourth quarter here. Final day. That's tough. Yes. And I, this was the first time it had ever even occurred to me. Like I might go to the Olympics. Yeah. So I remember that night in the hotel room being on the phone with my sports psych and saying, I'm going to make the Olympic team. He's like, whoa, Jenny, calm (laughs) down. Like, you need to you need to you know compete this day you know like there is no guarantee of you making the olympic team the third day matter you know just bringing me back to reality you know bringing me back down to earth and the uh the third day i it was a tough day if you can imagine but i shot well increased my lead and won by a landslide wow yeah landslide I won by a significant amount. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. So at this point, it's around April 1st, and I've just made the Olympic team. And it was a situation, I won't go into it, it's a very complicated, but it was a situation where because I qualified in small bore, I was auto-qualified for a rifle. Gotcha. So I knew I'd be shooting both in the Olympics. And that was, you know, 
first week of August, basically. Wow. Yeah. So now I'm coming back to school. Two weeks later, I leave for Brazil. I miss all my finals and go to Brazil for the Olympic test event. And then that summer, I am going, you know, new country every other week, training camps, competitions, working with the national coaches, doing everything in my power to be ready. So at this point, you know, I've won NCAAs. I win trials. I go to Munich, which is the hardest World Cup of the year. There's four World Cups every year. It is the most competitive. I make both finals. I make Hmm. both tops eight in Munich, which is, I mean, it's harder than the Olympics to do that. Wow. Because there's more shooters in Munich. Each country is allowed up to three, whereas in the Olympics, each country is allowed up to two. Now, obviously, the the pressures and expectations of the Olympics are harder. But anyway, um, you know, I go to Munich. I go to our nationals. You know, I end up getting a gold in one event, a silver in one event at nationals. You know, I am... I'm having the year that every athlete dreams of, right? Every competition I'm winning. Um, And so when I go into the Olympics in August, I, you know, I had a few really good things going for me. I had that momentum. I had that high level of confidence. And the other thing is I was in a bubble. The team around me. So John, my sports psych, one of my teammates at the Olympics, the two national coaches, my parents had kind of banded together yeah, and created a bubble around me that no they outside didn't... forces. Yeah. Yes. Nothing. And I, I needed that. That was yeah. a very good thing. Wow. And they created this bubble so that, you know, every influence was completely controlled. And, you know, I went off all social media uh, which is ironic because now I'm an influencer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the days we'll change. It's all right. Yeah, that's another discussion. Life, life changes, right? Yeah, so exactly. Um, I went off all social media. I'm completely in this bubble. And they did a really good job of, you know, managing my mindset, managing my expectations, you know, but but I knew, like I knew going in that I had like I could win. I knew yeah. that. And I, I remember the week before going to Rio, my dad asked me, he was like, how do you think you're going to do? And I was like, I think the odds of me coming in first and me coming in 10th or anywhere in between are, you know, equal. But again, I'm, wow. I'm talking okay. about, yeah. I'm Winning a gold coming, medal here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about coming top 10 at my first Olympics <laughs> yeah. when my world ranking is 30th. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) confidence was very high. Um, Still is, if you can believe it. That's almost like people roll their eyes when people say stuff like that. Like, okay, (laughs) we'll see, you know, (laughs) but the counter arm was, you have to, I mean, my opinion, you have to have have to think confidence. Yes. If you went in there, sheep, like what, you know, if you were in there, sheep would say, Oh, I'm just going to give it my best shot. Like why, you know, you just came off all these wins. You're right. You you almost have to have that killer. Like, no, this is my time. Like, and maybe if outside of the, of the, microcosm of sports maybe in life maybe you don't act like that but in sports it's like yeah almost have to do that for yourself to yes. you know so that way you're in that moment you're like i'm the one i want the ball it's the fourth quarter i'm gonna shoot yeah. this like yeah. i'm yes. gonna shoot my shot not to be cliche here. i'm gonna shoot my shot yes. but like, 
And and world ranking aside, was there like writing on the wall? Like were other people, maybe this impenetrable force your family and coaches created around you didn't let all these things in, but was there writing on the wall that people were thinking like, shit, she's got a shot here. Like Uh, she is like the unknown factor here. I, I think so, because like I said, no one expected me to make the team, but especially in America, when people could see the momentum and people could see kind of this bubble, I know the bubble around me, you know, every single yeah. one of them told me afterwards they were not surprised. They knew. That's cool. um, and and I wasn't surprised either, you know, and I uh, I remember being in a interview that night afterwards and somebody um a reporter actually from West Virginia said you winning the Olympics is like a donkey winning the Kentucky Derby do you agree with that oh my goodness and I was like (laughs) I've been like fuck you (laughs) yeah I was like uh no I don't agree with that and I don't appreciate being compared to a donkey (laughs) yeah yeah, right. <laughs> of all the things you call me a donkey. It was it was so funny. But yeah, but yeah, so I think people outside the sport maybe were surprised, but uh nobody in the sport was. So anyway, that's my mentality going into mm-hmm. the Olympics. Um so I get there and um women's air rifle, it's claim to fame is it's the very first event of the entire games. Yeah, which is really cool. So you start competing at 830 the first day of the Olympics. And by 1030, somebody's on the podium. Like wow. it is that quick. Yes. So I was competing in the qualification and I remember I was shooting well, decently. And I was about two thirds of the way through the match. And I came off the line. I went to the national coach and I was like, I'm not shooting as well as I want to be. And you know, what, how do I make it better? What do I do? You know, I'm there's a little bit of panic. Right. And he looks at me and he goes, Jenny, just go out there and do the best you can. That's all there is left. And again, I'm a dumb 19 year old and I'm like, Oh, okay. And I walk out there and I'm like, I'm just going to do the best I can. And I shot a, <laughs> I shot a good last target. And I came off the line and I didn't even look at the scoreboard. If you can believe this, I didn't even look at the scoreboard. I went up to my coach and I said, it's all right. We're going to get him in small bore. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah. coach, we're going to make the final in small bore. Like we're re- we were really close today. Like blah, blah, blah. I know I need to do. It's like, Jenny, you, you made the final right now. Like yeah. you're going to the air <laughs> rifle final right now. <laughs> And I look up at the board and I qualified in sixth place for the final. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So me and my teammate, Sarah, my American counterpart. So there were two of us in each of these events. um, She also made the final. So the the eight of us go to the finals room to get ready. And I knew, you know, for the match, I needed to be really calm. But for the final, I like to be really hyped up. You know, I like to have that adrenaline. I like to have Mm -hmm. that, which is very unusual in shooting, right? Everyone's trying to stay calm all the time. But I went to the uh, other national coach and we had had planned this, right? If I made the final, he was going to hype me up. So like we're outside the finals getting ready room. And I'm like, Jason, 
how much motivation do I need right now? He's like, Jenny, you need a metric crap ton of motivation. They're screaming <laughs> at each other. <laughs> so I'm hyped up, right? And uh, I go into the um, I go into the final, and it's. I mean, there's a huge audience. There's screaming. There's blow horns. It's it's the biggest final of your life, right? Yeah. And uh, I go in, and if you if you go back and watch the video, I mean, I look like the Terminator, like the <laughs> you're a just, robot, just stoic face. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I I remember being so focused, and of course I was nervous. People ask me all the time, well how were you not nervous in the Olympics? It's like, no, I was crap my pants nervous. Everyone yeah. at the Olympics <laughs> is that nervous. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's it's not about that. You know, you you have prepared. You can be nervous and still be confident. You know, you can accept that nerves are there and do what you need to do anyway. Um, so I start shooting and, you know, kind of near the beginning, I may be in third place. And I just keep pushing it and I'm in second and then I'm in first and it was never a runaway. It was never a runaway, mm. but probably a third of the way through the final, I took over first and I did not lose it once I had it. Wow. So I was in first people start getting eliminated. And next thing you know, there's only three of us standing. So we know we're going to get medals. Right. And it's me and it's two women from China. And mm. one was the reigning champion from 2012. And one had won in 2008. Wow. The previous two reigning champs. (laughs) Yeah. So these two women had won gold medals. And of these eight women, I was the youngest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So at 19. So the average age of those eight women was 31. Wow. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I'm um, shooting. I'm in first. You know, there's only a few shots to go. Um, and I just stayed focused, stayed focused. Going into the last shot, I know that if I shoot a 10.0 or better, so a 10.1, a 10.8, a 10.9, anywhere in that 10 range, I will win. So no they matter finished. what she shoots. They had finished. Those two nope. were finished? Okay. One of them. So there were still two of us left. But you knew 10 was the but, number. Yes. So we each had one shot. And you only get 50 seconds for one shot. So I knew if I shot a 10, no matter what she shoots, I have won. If I shoot less than a 10, I'm leaving it open to fate, to chance, right? So it's like, so I'm going into my last shot and my my self-talk, my keywords changed. And it, it went from my normal final keywords to just shoot a 10, just shoot a 10 just shoot it just over and over just shoot a 10 and I load and I pull the trigger and I know I know before looking at the scoreboard that it's a 10 that's Steph Curry shooting a shot and turning around before yep. it goes in knowing it's going in that's exactly amazing. yeah so I look it's a 10.4 she hasn't shot yet it's a 10.4 and you can just see me just just this wow. big exhale of relief and happiness and adrenaline. I mean, there's so many emotions. And um, she shoots. I don't know what she shot. It didn't matter. Didn't I matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm like, 
turning put my gun down i turn around i'm like hi mom hi dad you know they're in the audience with my brothers and yeah so it was um it was insane it was insane um so at that point what you don't know is when you win a medal uh there's an immediate like chain of events that happens so the first thing that happens is nbc sends a van so while that van is coming for you uh you get on the podium and you hear the Star Spangled Banner and you're just, you know, overwhelmed with emotion. And then you go immediately to drug testing and you have to pee oh. in a cup. <laughs> wow. So, yep. So I got on the podium. I went to drug testing and then you go to what's called your in venue with translators in the shooting venue. Then you get in your NBC van and all of a sudden, I'm doing 11 hours of, you know, interviews, radio, photo shoots, autograph signings, you know, 11 hours of just insanity. And this is after I've already competed, right? Yeah. And my my family was in Rio. They spent 11 hours stalking me online. I didn't even get to see them, you know? Wow. Um, I met Dan Patrick, who oh, yeah. I, yep. I'm not a sports person, uh, so I had no idea who Dan Patrick was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he did not love that, I think. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, um, but, you know, I'm doing all of these. And I was the only American gold for 24 hours. And wow, 24 wow. hours in Olympic time is eternity, right? Yeah, so until absolutely. Katie Ledecky won the next day, I was the only American gold medal. Um, and it was, it was just insane. You know, it, I, I, I hate to say it like this, but America has in every sport so much depth, so much talent. We win so many medals at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And if you win a medal in a niche sport that's in the middle of the Olympics on the same night Michael Phelps is competing, nobody notices. But because I won gold and I was the very first gold medal, you know, the extra publicity that brought for shooting for West Virginia, for, for me personally, for America, it was unfathomable. Wow. Wow. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, life-changing, right? It It was, it was life-changing. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Your attention to detail is so impeccable. <laughs> you remember everything about everything. I've, you know, I've told this story a time or two. Uh, uh, a yeah. couple yeah. times. Yeah. But, it's, it's, but even yeah. just like recognizing, like, just shoot a 10, just shoot a 10. I'd be like, I don't know. I'd, I'd embellish details <laughs> probably. Like I would have, I'd have a totally different story years later. But no, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And I think even better than, not even, maybe even better, but what you just said is that the level of recognition that you received after that was so much about you, but you also made it about West Virginia. Like everything that you did felt like you were always repping WVU West Virginia as a whole. And so like that collective attention that West Virginia received was just like, it was free advertising in a way, you know, but it was just (laughs) like amazing. It was just amazing. But everybody in West Virginia and even probably throughout the United States, Ginny Thrasher became a household name. And that yeah. is just insane. That's crazy. Well, and it it wasn't necessarily 
I won't say it wasn't intentional because it was intentional, but I grew up, my dad was in the military and we moved around all over. Yeah. And so, you know, when people ask where my hometown was, it's yeah. like, I don't, I don't really have that, you know? And mm-hmm. like, just being from a military family, I very much made home wherever I was, you know? And so when I went to West Virginia for college, that became home. Wow. And then when I left at the end of college, it stayed home. And that's the first place that has stayed home for me. Yeah, that's got got me in chills right now. (laughs) Jenny Thrasher looking for a home and she found it in West Virginia. Oh, stop it. That's a, that might be, yeah, that might be, uh, I don't know, but yeah, that's, it's a great story. Yeah, it, it, it really is a is. great story. And I, well, I want to tell you a few more funny stories from the Olympics. Um, we could sit so, here all day. We don't need, we won't, but <laughs> these are great. So, uh, they have the Olympic village, obviously that you're staying in and each country is allocated a certain number of like guest passes for the Olympic village. Unfortunately, most of these have to be used for, you know, either staff, like excess staff that didn't, you know, that went above the allocated number of staff passes or, you know, ambassadors, you know, people from the embassy, you know, whoever it is. So, you know, the athletes are allowed to apply for these guest passes, but the odds of you getting them are really low. And everyone told me, you know, if you apply for four, you're probably only going to get one, you know, and just like be prepared that you're only going to be able to bring one of your family in. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the day before air rifle, I applied for four guest passes for the day after air rifle. And I'm leaving the venue with my Olympic medal to go, you know, on these, you know, 11 hours of media media tour. Yeah. And my phone buzzes and it's like, your Olympic four guest passes have all been approved. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, that seems yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. You think there might be. Okay. okay so the okay. next day, my parents and my two brothers traveled and they like, they were staying out near the venue and the shooting venue. And that was an hour and a half from the village. If you were traveling on the Olympic bus on the closed down highway for Mm. them, it was close to three hours of like taking an Uber to get to the Olympic village. And, and they were so happy and I got to show them my room and, you know, you can take them into the dining hall to eat, but there's also a, um, a McDonald's and yeah, great athlete food. So every athlete can go to this McDonald's and just order unlimited food. So I went up to this McDonald's and I ordered five Big Macs and five French fries and five ice cream cones. And I'm just (laughs) carrying all of the, and the ice cream's melting, you know, we're in Rio, the ice cream's melting. I'm carrying it back. And my, I just, you know, that's, that's a moment I'll never forget is my family and I having this McDonald's feast in the middle of the Olympic village in Rio. <laughs> that's it's awesome. Like, like, yeah. like of that moment. Yeah. How fun that's of all places yeah. is McDonald's. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the thing most people don't realize is I competed twice. Yep. So for the um, amazing high that was air rifle, 
followed by small bore and small bore again some people would have considered it my better event at the time and again making finals really was the key I knew if I made the finals I had an amazing shot at meddling um but it was so difficult because I think I had like three or four days between that so after I get home from this 11 hour media tour I'm I'm exhausted I mean I had the first soda I'd had in years because <laughs> I needed the caffeine like Way to treat yourself yeah yeah so I'm I'm exhausted and I finally crawl into bed and I laid awake all night I mean I literally could not sleep all of the emotion and adrenaline just caught up with me and I laid awake all night and then you know I'm going through my practices the next few days and people are coming up to me all the time and congratulating me and the the bubble was broken there was no way the bubble could be held in that moment and there was no reality in which I could have or did prepare for winning gold and then having to compete again, you know? Um, so, and, and I really lost the, I'm here for process. I'm here to be the best version of myself. You know, I'm here to challenge myself on the world stage. And it was like, I want to win another medal, you know? Yeah. And that, that outcome oriented mindset just isn't as effective. Wow. And I, um, yeah, so I shot small board and it was it was a tough match mentally and physically. It was a tough match. And again, this is scored out of 600. So 20 shots in kneeling, 20 shots in prone, 20 shots in standing. And I came one point out of fights. One point out of final. And it was it was heartbreaking. It was the most heartbreaking moment to be one point out of finals wow. knowing I had it. I could have done, yeah. you know, and and not, not that would I would trade a first and a tenth place for you know two fifth places, but it was um, it was really interesting, and I think that's been a lot of kind of what has driven me since then is like I know that I can do it in small part too, you know. So wow, it's like yeah, that's a good a uh, good takeaway there. Like to not when you you're trying to achieve a monumental task or an accomplishment, a lot of, you know, different professions, people could listen to this, like, instead of being like outcome oriented and like Mm -hmm. almost like obsessing with that, like fall in love with like the process, fall in love with like the, that part of it. And then trust that good results will come if you focus on that. Like that's such a, an applicable thing for every industry. It's so universal, but it's, it's so true when we focus on the outcomes and we have such a great need for the outcomes, we get tense, mm-hmm. we get tight mentally and physically. That makes us slower. That makes our reaction time slower. That makes us shake a little bit, you know, all bad things, but there's a certain in the, in the process oriented in the growth mindset, there's a certain um, acceptance, almost the acceptance that, the journey, like the personal journey, the the personal growth, who I am within my sport and who I become through my sport and these experiences is worth it, regardless yeah, if the outcomes sure. happen. And and I know that's easy for me to say because I have an Olympic gold medal, you know, and it's like, oh, it's it's worth it even if you don't achieve that. But like right. you 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 have to believe that because yeah. we to get to be in the hall of fame in baseball 
what what does your batting average need to be? 300 minimum, right? Pretty much. 300, 300. So that means seven out of 10 times, you're not succeeding. You are failing 70% of the time. We fail Mm. more often than we brush our teeth and nobody's afraid of brushing their teeth, right? It's only because we put so many negative connotations and expectations and false consequences that we feel are real to failing that it becomes a problem, that it becomes a fear of failure, that it becomes tightening us up, right? It is within acceptance and within a growth mindset where we're focused on learning and it's like, okay, yeah, I failed, but what did I learn? How did I improve? How can I use this next time? That it becomes A, a never ending journey and also B, a lot more fun a lot more fun yeah yeah that's such a such a beautiful like sports are such a beautiful and practical like vehicle to to learn these tried and true life lessons and i mean if you uh, what i don't know what your plans are now i think you're you're still competitively shooting but i think you have a future in like corporate leadership lessons too. (laughs) yeah i think think a lot of people would pay for this kind of this kind of pep talks yeah absolutely yeah well thank you i am still competing but i actually do a lot of public speaking on the side so um i did give a ted talk while i was at wbu Mm -hmm. um which is all about growth mindset actually um, yeah. yeah, I, I do really like to, to do that. And I actually do come back to, to West Virginia, uh, you know, once or twice a year and, and do things back there, which, which I really love. So I also, you know, I, like you said, I, I try to stay connected with West Virginia as much as possible. So I'm on the advisory board for the country roads trust, trying to help yep. the athletes in the NCAA at, at WVU. Um, and I'm also, connected with thrasher engineering the thrasher group um so they yeah they're one of my title sponsors going into paris 2024 and it's been so amazing just to work with a company that kind of has the same values right they're they're from west virginia they work in that region we have the same last name i don't know how that no relation but (laughs) no relation but match made in heaven and and also you know uh the the engineering connection so it's been really fun to to have them on my team going into paris next year and please like what is the preparation like now and what is the timetable between now and potentially getting to paris because yeah. The Olympics are can be brutal, as you've already explained. So, like the the reset that you have to have, yes. right after one Olympics, going looking forward to the next, yes, because there's such a long time that you have to wait, but it's filled with preparation. So, like, catch us it up is. where you're at now and how you're looking forward to Paris. Yeah. So, you know, for some context, after mm-hmm. winning gold in Rio, I did not make the team for Tokyo. And that's um, tough. I, I mean, even yes. talking about the small board situation after coming up from the high down to the low, I'm sure that was like another challenge in your life that you had to overcome that was maybe totally, very difficult. Yeah, totally a challenge um, and, and totally sad, you know, yeah, uh, of course, it, it's one of those things that I recognize. A, that the U.S. has so much depth. The U.S. team in the last five years has been incredibly deep and competitive and winning on the world stage all the time. And, and that's something that we didn't have in 2016. We did not have that depth. When we were going into the 2016 Olympics, a lot of our really great shooters had retired 
and mm. it was kind of the changing of the guard and yeah. i was kind of like the the first of this of this new wave that is now incredible um and very dedicated and and it's it's great right like that bar being high pushes you to be to be better that being said it's very difficult and you know you also have to recognize that in sports there is so much unknown there is so much variability and when it comes down to one day literally anything can happen um and and i think that's i think that's a good thing because if if we knew who was gonna win we wouldn't watch sports we wouldn't play sports i mean that level of unknown is is part of the attractiveness of being an athlete right so um Tokyo had a two-part Olympic trial. So it was two days and then a completely separate competition that was two days. So after the first competition, I was in first place. Prime to go, that was fall of 2019. The second competition was supposed to be last week of March of 2020. Yeah, bad timing. Bad timing. As you can imagine, that did not happen. Yeah. So, um, because of COVID, the Olympic Training Center, the range I train at, closed down for five months. I had to go live completely isolated at a place where I could train for five months. So, for five months, I did not talk to another soul. You know, it was um, actually a, a really great time of introspection, and I enjoyed quite a bit about it. Of course, it was a little lonely, but um, you know, uh. In that time period, the second half of trials was delayed. It was postponed. It was canceled. It was put back on. It was changed locations. It was delayed again. The Olympics were delayed. You know, it was a very tumultuous time. And I just, you know, tried to keep my head down, tried to keep shooting. And 15 months later, when the, when the trial came back around, I had a good day. I didn't have a great day. And I needed a great day. Other people had a great day. Um, And I actually was the alternate. So, you know, was still very much preparing all the way up until the day of the opening ceremonies, because if somebody got COVID, I was getting on that plane and and going, right? Yeah. So, um, so that was tough. Um, So that was 2021 because the Olympics were delayed. And so I had two months off reset, recalibrate, come back, feeling really good, start coming back, fall of 2021. I'm at a competition. I bend over to pick up a pen that I dropped. Boom, bulging disc. Yeah, wow. In rifle shooting, a bulging disc is a career ending injury. Yeah, because you're like in, I mean, you're literally in that position. Position, yeah. Yeah. The positions are so biomechanically bad for you. Um, And so that started, I mean, pretty much all of last year was rehabbing, um, time off shooting, changing my position, changing my gun, changing my coach, changing everything, changing how I work out, changing how I train. I mean, a complete reinvention of myself to to overcome this career threatening injury. Um, and, and I have, you know, it still very much is uh, a process. I'm still learning about, you know, the back and the best ways to treat it and everything. But I mean, 
January last year, I could barely walk. Like it, it was not a good thing. Yeah. It was in a bad spot. Um, and now I get to go train, you know, within reasonable limits and, and get to compete. So it has been a tumultuous quad for me. The last four years have been tumultuous, but I feel that I have so much momentum and that I have all of the, you know, all the pieces are coming together and, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power and make sure they come together at the right time. So Olympic trials this time around is three parts, two days each. So six total scores and they drop the lowest. So yes. Do you you like that? Good, bad. Yeah. That's different than what you've previously told us. It is different. They do change it a little bit. Every quad. I do like it because I think it plays to my, um, strengths, which is consistency. Yeah. That being said, it's very long. It's very yeah, long. A lot so of it is, yeah. Well, and it's over a six month period. Oh, so wow. these three matches are over a six month period. So I think that is, is going to be a mental challenge for a lot of athletes. And, you know, um, I work a lot on my mental game. So I'm hoping yep. that comes as another strength for me. Um, so the first part of this six month time period of these three competitions is actually October 1st. Yeah. It's so coming up. Crazy. it's coming up, you know, less than two months of, or two months away, basically yeah. August 1st um, today that we're recording this. So yeah. yeah so oh, two wow, months yeah. away, it's coming up. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited. So that's kind of my next big thing on the horizon and everything will go into making the team, right? Because if you, can't make the team you can't compete at the olympics right so making the team is the first step and in america if you make the team you know you're poised to to hopefully be top 10 at the at the olympics you know it's a it's very difficult to make the team like i said so that is kind of my um you know we got the wedding done with last week and now it is nose to the grindstone for the next two months to try to make this team which i'm so excited about and and I really think it's um I think it's gonna come together honestly yeah. like I've I've been working really hard and um whether it pays off or not I believe it will yeah does, yeah. does that make sense yeah it <laughs> does it will yeah well Jenny look thanks so it's much amazing. for these amazing yeah. gems stories advice my favorite might be that people could apply is keep your head down keep shooting that seems like a, that could be on yeah. a shirt like that's like a <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll we'll co-brand a shirt with you. Yes, <laughs> so, I love that. <laughs> for, for West Virginia, um, but yeah, look, best of luck. We believe in you, Thank and you. thanks yeah. for Thank thanks you. for sharing this. And you're a great ambassador for West Virginia, so keep on, keep on. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed being on today, and I do just want to throw out there. Um, so I am on social media a lot, educating about my sport and you know my journey to Paris. So if anyone listening wants to keep up with that. They can follow me and my handle is at Jenny Thrasher, G-I-N-N-Y-T-H-R-A-S-H-E-R on literally every platform you can think of. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, threads, LinkedIn, yeah. <laughs> like you name it, I'm on it. You're on so. it, yeah. <laughs> Same handle. That's great. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Folks, go, yeah, go follow her and please do. Yeah. Cool. Awesome.